Today for our final guest of 2021 on the Being Whole podcast, I'm chatting with Danielle De Leon Guerrero. She's the founder of Her Women's Veteran Society, and she created this organization to reach other women veterans to let them know that they are not alone and to remind them of the sisterhood that they're part of. I'm so honored to share Danielle's journey of reclaiming motherhood after returning from deployment with you today. Here's my conversation with Danielle. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Being Whole podcast. I'm so excited today. I'm here with my friend, Danielle, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her experiences um, being a deployed mom. I really want you to listen to some of her story and hear about what it was like for her to be away from her child and then to also listen to what she had to do when she came back to really work to reconnect with herself and with her family. So without further ado, welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me, Cassandra. I'm so glad that you're here. And thank you again. Danielle and I actually met through Instagram. We started messaging and she read my book, which I'm so grateful for. So again, I'm really excited that you're here so we can share a little bit more about your story. So, okay. Now I've heard where you've been a little bit, but of course nobody in the audience has. So why don't you start by just telling me a little bit about like how old you were when you went into the service, what, what made you kind of make that choice and then how you ended up in this position where you were away from your baby, basically. Sure. Uh, so I was uh, raised in Texas. So I got here as fast as I could, originally born in Guam. I'm 35 and I joined the Air Force at 21 years old. Tried to join at 17 when I was a senior in high school, but my mom didn't like the idea of me being an aerial gunner post 9-11. So I uh, went to a few years of college at UT San Antonio, go Red Runners. <laughs> and then uh, I uh, decided that uh, working three jobs was just not really fitting what I wanted. And I was kind of lost in what I wanted to do. And so I had a girlfriend of mine um, uh, ask if she could help me through the process because she was already in the Air Force. Um, so I decided to join as, and I'm trying to remember what it was back then, three alpha was the Air Force specialty code. So it was called information management back then in 2007 is when I joined. Um, and then I ended up doing, uh, eight years total, six and a half active. And I deployed once to Balad, Iraq in 2010. So that would have been the end of Operation Iraqi Freedom and the beginning of New Dawn. And I had my first daughter in 2009. So my daughter was just about nine, 10 months old when I left. Okay. So when you were in the process of all of that, you know, this wasn't something, you know, you'd already been deployed, you'd already been in the Air Force, but then when you were pregnant with your daughter, obviously, what was the process for you of even kind of coming to terms with the idea that you could be deployed after now there was a change in your family situation? I think it was hard. Well, I know it was hard for me. I, I had volunteered a lot before I got pregnant. I really wanted to be deployed. I really felt like a need to want to do something um, that was bigger than myself and to do my part per se. Um, and then right around the time I found I was pregnant, it was like, well, you know, I'll get to that. And then they're like, by the way, you're getting deployed. <laughs> and then I was like, what? Like, I think in my, my, I guess, naive little brain, I was thinking, well, surely they're not going to deploy me like before my baby turns one, you know, cause I was yeah. just like, come on. Uh, but I mean, I quickly had to come to terms with the fact that I signed on the dotted line and many women had done it before me. So I knew I would be okay. Um, but then that really sat in like what I had truly, um, 
promised myself too. It was, it was kind of like mm-hmm. I was working a cool job and had some cool perks. And then all of a sudden it was like a real reality check, like, whoa, okay, <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can imagine there's so many emotions associated with that. And then at a time when you're just already have emotions swirling and hormones and all of those things. And it's just one of those things, like you say, your emotions in that situation, you can move through them, but they're not going to change the outcome. You had already signed on the dotted line. There was no getting out of it. Right. Yeah. And then was there a part of you that also, because you do, you know, you were in love with what you were doing at that time and you loved, you know, your, your duty to your country was so important to you. Was there a part of you that also wanted to go? Oh yeah. I'm much, I wanted to go because I wanted the experience. And I felt like, again, being a post 9-11 veteran now is part of that was like, I wanted to be part of that story, a part of like what America is about and being there for your brothers and sisters, serving your country. Um, and I also just wanted to experience, you know, outside of Texas, I, I wanted to meet other people and other cultures and, um, just know what else life has to give. So, mm-hmm. well, I and, I wanted to go. And, and that's, that's the thing too, is like, it's one of those things just, you know, highlighting how sometimes we can have all of those emotions, right? It's like, you want to go, but yet you're faced with, I don't know how I'm going to make that work. And then there's also some sadness at the idea of having to go. So as you were kind of preparing, and then as you actually had to leave, like, what are some things that you did to kind of help come to terms with how your life was going to look since you didn't really have much of a say in it? Yeah. Well, back then Skype, I say back then, it's not that long ago. But, um, <laughs> the world has changed was... so much after COVID, especially like we're all on Zoom now, everything's yeah. different. Back so, then it does. Then it was like Skype. That. Skype was the big thing. And so I was really excited that like, okay, at least I had Skype. So of course, you know, I'm like mulling over the fact that like, I'm going to miss her first steps and her first words and her first haircut and like all the first, right. And my mom's like, no, I, I will have dates. Like, well, we're going to have a standard time. And this was before I knew how all that worked, but, you know, and we're going to check in and we're going to do all these things, you know? And so we, we had that plan. And so my, my daughter went uh, at that time, my, my husband at the time was working shift work as a police officer on base and he was prior service. So he couldn't care for our child in a way that would have been conducive. So since she wasn't in school, we sent her back to Texas and my parents took care of her. So um, part of that, it, I remember, and I still have the book today, I, I bought a Hallmark book when they first came out with the recorded books. Oh, yes. Because um, uh-huh. my, my biggest fear was that my little baby girl, tiny human would forget my voice. Yeah. And so I recorded um, a book and I told my mom, can you promise me to read this book to her every night before she goes to sleep so that she can hear my voice? And so books were really a big part of the, how I made that transition and how I got through. And we can talk more about that, but um, books have a special meaning with me and my daughter's relationship. And she's a book reader to this day. So. Oh, I love that. So then when you would finally connect with her, were you able to read different books to her then on Skype and everything? Yes. So um, the USO did a really great program where every month I could send a book home to my kid and they would have these little nurseries that they set up at the USOs. They'd be painted just, you know, rocking chair and like you were reading a story to your child. And they would send the recording on a little DVD um, with the book out Aww. for you for free. And so every month I would pick a day. It's usually a Sunday because we worked every day except for Sunday. I'd go on a Sunday morning, 
go to the USO, record a new book and send it home with a, you know, a little card oh, or whatever that so, so that my mom could read it to her. And then the other thing I did is I kept a journal and I wasn't as disciplined as I would have liked to be, but I had, I had some good entries in there, but I, I wanted to gift it or read it to her later in life. So she knew, you know, why mommy had to go or my emotions, you know, that, you know, I, I, I did miss you, but there was some other cool things that happened whenever we weren't together and let me share those with you. And we just recently read it and it was really, really special. That's wonderful. And I love how you just phrased that. Like I did miss you, but there were also some really cool things that happened. And I think that that's such a powerful thing is that you, to show kids like, yes, you can have, again, you can have the emotions existing at the same, at the same time, you know, and how you move through it and how you connect with people during that time is, is really important. Right. So I love that you were able to still connect with her. So given, you know, I know you just said that there were spaces like for the stories and things like that. And then you wrote the journal. Was it hard for you to find other people on deployment to relate, who could relate to what you were going through? Or were there other people that you felt like you could even just talk to or give your experiences to? Yeah, I had friends that I could relate to that were also mothers, but their kids were older. Um, and what I found to be a commonality was if the kids were younger, it was harder on the parents, but if the kids were older, it seemed harder on the, on the kid, because then you had them verbal and, you know, you missed my assembly or you, you missed Christmas, or I wish you were here for lunch or, you know, and they could vocalize. And that's something I didn't have to deal with, but then I was thinking, she's not going to remember me. I'm just a figment of her imagination. You know, I've missed all the things. How am I ever going to like transition back into that? So yeah. I think it just depends, but the definitely, I mean, we all missed someone, so it didn't, it, we all had that commonality. We all had someone that we missed, something that we missed, somebody, all of the above. Um, so there was a lot of time to think and reflect, that's for sure. Yeah, which, you know, can be wonderful, but also can be terrible, right? You know, the thinking and reflecting is one thing, but if it turns into rumination and then feelings of sadness, I mean, that can be a hard place to get out of too. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I, and you said too, you know, just like you said, everybody was missing someone. And so just even, you know, being able to unite with one another on that common feeling and recognizing you're not alone. I mean, that's so much of what you're even trying to do now with your organization is really show yeah. other women veterans that they're not alone because you've had so many different experiences. So, okay. You're, you're deployed obviously. And how long again, were you gone during that time? For seven months for seven so months back the day before veterans day. So this veterans day was 11 years since I had come back. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Talk about a journey. I never would have thought. <laughs> yeah. So what was that like coming back then? You know, was it, did you feel like what, what about the reintegration process? How was that to all of a sudden come back to all of a sudden now you have a toddler, basically not quite a toddler, but she's not yeah. a baby anymore. Yeah. Right. And that's a huge um, change, but then also just to kind of reintegrate, what was that process like for you? So I remember my first sergeant telling me, you know, you're going to need to give yourself grace, give yourself time. It's going to be really overwhelming. You know, when you have all these plans, you're like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go to my favorite tacos and I'm going to go home. And, you know, you just, it's like, you don't understand how much you have changed and how much the world has changed around you. And so I remember, um, I remember getting off the plane in, um, Charleston, because that's where I was stationed at. So of course, you know, we took some hops along the way. And uh, 
And I, I told my friend, I said, can you just, can you just wait here for me? I want to see her before she sees me. Cause I, I had to like brace myself. Cause I knew I was just going to be a blubbering mess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of looked to my left and I could see her and, you know, she was standing up and she was walking and she had the little poster that's like, welcome home, mommy, you know? And I was just, you know, my ex-husband had a, his whole camera ready, you know, to catch the whole coming home. And I think like my whole, all I can say is like, even right now, my, my whole body tingled and I just got this overwhelming, like, um, it's over and you get to now oh. be okay. Like you get to see your baby you and like, it's like you made it, you arrived. And so like, I remember walking down and I recently just shared the video with my daughter, you know, us and you know she's hobbling over and I'm thinking she doesn't know who I am she doesn't know who I am you know and, and she came right up to me and she just kind of looked at me all inquisitively and then just gave me a hug and Aww. it was like nothing had ever passed and I just I've never felt so happy in my entire life to see her um yeah. and be okay and that like we knew each other and um and then for for years she would <laughs> before she went to school, every time she'd hear a Skype ringer, she'd be like, mommy, mommy, because oh. she knew that she was going to talk to yeah, mommy. Condition to know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, you saying that you just felt that sense of happiness and it's sometimes that's what happens, right? We don't realize that kind of undercurrent of energy that we're just constantly expending until yeah. a big situation is over or until something is passed. Like and the then you feel it in your whole body. It's just like whoosh. And then you're like, oh, that's what I was carrying, you know? Yes. Oh, and, and that's, that's what's so hard, right? Is like, you don't always know it when you're carrying it. So, and that time can be so difficult, whatever yeah. manager navigate. And then once you get to the moment it's over, it does your body just almost has to completely reset again. And then I'm sure again, as we've talked about previously, you and I, you were faced with a whole new set of challenges of reintegration and figuring out what that looked like for you in this space after being deployed too. Yeah. Um, I was a newlywed as well. We'd only been married for two years and then I had just joined the air force three years prior to that. So I was really just getting used to my new life when I left. Um, and when I got back, I remember feeling really angry, like a sense of like resentment to my husband at the time, like, like, uh, you got to do all these things and I didn't, you know, I remember like snipping because I was like, I thought I told you not to cut her hair. And, you know, it was like, it was in her eyes, you know, and I would kind of just snip at him. And, um, I remember, and I think I told the story when we first recorded is like, um, I went, uh, he was going back to work. We had our, you know, reun- reun- reunion for family and he was going back to shift work. And I was like, I'm going to take Evelyn, my daughter to the park. And so, you know, I just go to the park and then, I realized I don't have anything for her. I have no diapers. I have no bottles. I have, you know, I just, it didn't even dawn on me that that was something that I needed again. You know, I didn't know how to pack anything. I didn't know what her favorite snacks were. I didn't know her routine. So it was just like, I used to be everything. And now I felt like I'm nothing. And how do I get back to where that, where we were? Hey, I wanted to let you know that I'm opening up an intimate elite coaching experience kicking off in January. You may be feeling like you're unhappy with how you're navigating or struggling to navigate your boundaries with people or situations in your life. You're not alone, my friend. So many are struggling right now, and I definitely feel like it's a time of awakening to our next level. 
Join me in leveling up your relationships in the Elite Boundaries group coaching experience to not only get to know where you're needing to tighten or establish boundaries, but also to understand what that looks like for you in 2022. Let's build an authentic life that honors everything you need and want. DM me the word boundaries on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire or on Facebook. There are only a few seats available, so I encourage you to love yourself first and invest in feeling empowered for the next year. Now back to the episode with Danielle. Right. Well then, I mean, and that's on so many levels too, right? Too, because you also came from a situation where you were in a job where you knew what you had to do, you knew what was expected of you and you could excel at that and you felt competent and confident. And then you come back and you think you're going to pick right back up and you're like, oh yeah, now how do I reclaim my place and how do I do this? And, and that even is just a kind of a weird space to navigate to think about, you know, yeah, how do you kind of reconcile this role that you had before that has shifted a little bit too at the same time? Yeah. And I mean, even with my husband at the time, I was, I was not vocal the way I needed to be with struggling with over, uh, being overwhelmed. Mm. So I remember my sergeant telling me, you're going to have a hard time when you first kind of go out into the world. It's kind of like awkward. Like you're kind of looking from the outside in, um, and you'll look at things differently. And so I remember my parents were so, you know, excited and they were so proud and they're like, we're going to throw you this big Texas barbecue when you come home. And it was like a week after. And, And I remember thinking, oh, that's nice, you know, and, and I come up and they have like this giant banner with my head on it. And like, there's like hundreds of people <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh dear God, I didn't know we were signing up for that. So, you know, and then it was just like the questions and the, didn't you miss your daughter? And how could you ever leave? And it was just like, I'm not ready to talk about this. Yeah. So I feel that like was hard. My nervous system just got like <laughs> agitated just hearing that story. I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, too, that's one of those situations where you probably didn't realize how much it was going to impact you till you're in it. And then you're kind of like, oh, wait, this is a party for me. So I probably can't just leave. <laughs> and then also when people are trying to do nice things and your parents want to throw you And so that's a hard space to navigate when you're not really sure even what you need. You know, you said you didn't know how to tell them what you needed. You probably still were in a place where you didn't know yet too, right? And that's what's so hard is like, you know, especially when you're navigating all of those different new situations, it's hard to be able to articulate how you're going to feel once you're in it right yeah yeah exactly I really underestimated it I didn't I didn't think I was like surely you know it's like it's not that I saw combat or anything yes I was in a combat zone so I was thinking oh that's like for people that are like front lines and like that that's why they have problems integrating but it's not um it really is just odd um I don't know how else to explain it I remember going to get uh bottled water from the convenience store and over there you have like bottled water pallets everywhere right so you go in and you grab your bottled water and you leave and then in the chow hall well I just was on autopilot and I went in and got water and I went and walked out and then I was like (laughs) oh no I forgot to pay for that and so I had to go back in and I just said I'm so sorry like you know this is what happened And, and you know the guy thought it was funny but I was just thinking like all right. Like you can't can't just, yeah, (laughs) but, but that's such a great example of just as simple day-to-day things. And that is why it's hard. You know, you are in such a routine and especially in something like the military where they try to structure it. So you're not thinking about a lot of extra other decisions so you can focus and do your job. 
And so then just even that mindset shift to come back, you know, is, is completely different. And I think that that's something too, I really hope that, you know, I think the conversations have gotten bigger about veterans coming back, but I really hope that we keep expanding that space because there's so many different things that can happen just not only for a person, but then their family members and their friends and things like that too. So, okay. That kind of, I guess, is a good segue into tell me about your organization that you started and what really, what really led you to want to begin starting um your yeah well I get really passionate talking about this okay um, I I, what got me started on it is uh, similar feelings when I decided to get out of the military so after um my my husband at the time again was diagnosed with epilepsy he's prior service had some mental health issues it just wasn't conducive with with our Mm -hmm. being married and having a family and so I decided I'll spend the rest of my time in the reserves well, that didn't exactly pan out because I got diagnosed with asthma and I had about 60% lung functionality at about 28 years old. Um, so I got one week notice to get out and I was seven months pregnant. So it was very scary. Oh, wow. And um, so luckily I have a very supportive family. And so my mom just said, why don't you just move back home? We'll you know, help you during the transition. Well, little did we know my dad was going to be in a life-threatening car accident a month later. So we were all kind of stuck in a house together with a brand new baby. You know, I'm thinking, God, I'm, you know, almost 30 years old. I'm living with my parents. Like what is happening in my life? You know, I'm falling apart postpartum. And um, I wanted to start an organization then, but I was like, I have no money. I don't even have a job. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. So I was like, let me get, let me get my leg up. So a few years go by about, you know, five, five or so years. Um, I end up getting divorced, unfortunately, but better for us. And, uh, I, during COVID, I got really, um, influenced by my co my colleagues. They all own their own companies, um, Texas state alumni. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they just really like, I was like, wow, I mean, if they can do this, I can do this. Like, why don't I just wow. do it? You know? So I told myself that, um, after I bought my house, which was in 2020, I wanted to start my own organization to help women veterans because, um, I remember reading and, and seeing these documentaries about homelessness mm-hmm. and that were the fastest growing demographic, which a lot of people don't understand yeah. or know. Mm-hmm. And that actually, um, women, uh, PTSD is more prevalent in women than it is in men. Um, so just things that just kind of came out of the work and it resonated with me so much with my own life experiences. I was really struggling with mental health, really struggling to connect, um, make new friends, make any women friends at all. It was like as if there was this underlying um, unspoken word between women and women veterans that's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're women veterans. And then the women would be like, I, I don't I don't know how to like talk with them or about right. them. You know, and then like inside of you somehow that they can't relate to and vice versa somehow. Yeah, I can understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was part of like, I want to bridge that gap. Like who better than women for advocates? Like most of the things that we have problems with intersect with a lot of what just gender in general. Um, So I just had an idea that I wanted to start a women veterans organization because I couldn't find any. And then of course, when I created it, that I, they all started coming out of the woodwork. Right. That always happens, right? You're like, I have a great idea. It doesn't exist. And then you do it. And then you're like, oh, here they all are. But you know what? That's wonderful because here's the deal is like, you never know who's going to need to hear it from you. You know, yes, there might be other organizations, but somebody needs to hear your story and what you have to say and the way that you're going to package it and help them. Right. Which is also why I wanted to have you here. So tell me about like, what is the major focus for you then in the organization? 
Yeah, it's actually morphing now that I've been in it a little bit. So we've had, we're about to have our fourth um, uh, event. And so what I've noticed in connecting with other women veteran organizations is everyone does something really well, right? But no one's good at everything. I think for me, I'm a big ideation and connectedness person. So for me, I like connecting with the best resource. So if you come to me and you say, I'm really struggling with family stuff. I, maybe I need some counseling. Maybe mm-hmm. I need some financial support. I would be like, cool, you need to see the pink berets and you need to talk to blah, 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 you know? Right. And then, or, or, hey, I just really want to go and have fun with a bunch of women veterans. Where can I do that? Awesome. We love doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. We love paddleboarding, which by the way, I'm getting one for Christmas. So I'm super stoked. We'll have to go to paddleboarding. Yay. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's my um, favorite form of stress relief. Yes. So, I mean, I think it's connecting people with the resources they need is what my organization really specializes in. So eventually I would like to grow that to where I can be more of the direct connection, but right now it's just not feasible and it's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're working on our nonprofit status and okay. kind of going from there. But that's so important, Danielle, like, because here's the, here's the thing, you know, we all can Google things, of course, but you know, when you need help or when you're looking for information, it's so nice if somebody has done that work for you, somebody you can trust or somebody who's been in the situation. So then I don't have to, if I'm already upset, worry about scrolling through nine pages of the internet to find something that might be there that might not work for me or what have you. So we love that you're really trying to just fill this also as like a resource library for other yeah. people, like how, you know, I don't know what help you need, but here's a bunch of stuff. What if it works for you? You know, yeah. no, that's exactly how I would explain it. You know, I like being the face of it. I don't, one thing I I don't like it's like a black hole of information it's like did it go anywhere like did yeah. anybody see it can somebody answer the 800 number I need a human right, right. So like, I'm the human <laughs> to connect you <laughs> well and with that too then you're also having some in-person events and fundraisers and things like that to really draw attention to the organization which is exciting mm-hmm. too so what's it been like then to be in this space has it have, have you enjoyed the process of connecting with people Oh my goodness. It's been extremely healing. Um, I have made so many incredible friends and connections and it, I, I just get so excited and happy talking about it because I am proud of myself for being vulnerable enough to put myself out there to be able to receive the things I have, because that was a really scary thing for me. Um, but it has just really paid in spades. Um, one connection leads to another connection that leads to another. And, and it's even, um, led me to things that my family has needed and to into healing. And so it's like that old saying goes, you know, it's like, you have, you have to put yourself out there to, to right. Receive, right. You, you got to give a little to get a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just like you said, you know, being willing to put yourself out there and saying, this is an idea I had, I kind of want to go for it. And it's something you're passionate about. And I think, again, we sometimes shy away from doing things because we think other people have done them or we don't have all the answers. But the reality of it is, is if we're passionate about something and we have information and, and support we can share with others, you know, that's something wonderful that we can all do in different ways, right? So I love that you were able to connect those things and have it be a healing experience for you. Like you just said, you know, then that's so key too, right? It wasn't just something extra that you took on or something that you, you know, felt you should do. It was something that really resonated with you. Yes, definitely. 
So what are some things that you, you know, are there things in your daily life that you think, you know, the name of my podcast obviously is being whole, just like my book. And we've talked a little bit about like self-care and different things that people can do. What are some things that you feel are really helpful in your kind of day-to-day that you incorporate to help you kind of keep this sense of self and to keep yourself on a positive path? Sure. So most recently, and I'll do a little plug here for, for another woman veteran and she runs Camp Shield. And uh, they do a great women veteran retreat. And so through that, they had taught Reiki. And mm-hmm. so I recently started doing just short versions of Reiki. I have, I have to work myself up because mindfulness is a hard and staying present is hard for me. Yeah. Um, so, so Reiki, I do that in the shower because I like the water kind of running over and oh, refreshing. Yeah. Um, it kind of blocks out the crazy in my head, <laughs> drowns it out per se. Um, and then I also try to do like the 15 minutes, not really meditating, but just kind of giving myself 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night to just kind of sit mm-hmm. and just be and try Like, I really, it's so hard for me to try to not do those lists. Like, okay, tomorrow I'm like, no, no, no. Right now, like we're just here in the present and your body is wonderful. And look at all the great things you've yeah. done. Like that positive self-talk. Uh-huh. You know? So, um, I try yes. to do that. <laughs> I love that. And I, it's like, I, when I tell people that I feel sometimes almost ridiculous saying those things out loud, right? Because it does sound so silly. I'm like, I tell myself I'm awesome. Or I just sit, I sit with my feelings, you know, and yeah. we make it sound, but it's like, you know what? That's so much harder. Like anyone who makes fun of that has never actually tried it. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, it's awkward. I really yeah. done it. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but it's such a good practice to be able to really let things go and to decompress and things like that as well and really give yourself that that opportunity to let some things go a little bit yes and of but course stand up paddle boarding because I love anything with water so I know well and the water <laughs> yes the water can be so calming and so soothing I love that you found Reiki that was something when I was going through um a lot of different trauma healing that was something I actually ended up doing two levels of Reiki certification with somebody here in New Braunfels. Um, her name is Heather Huff. She's a shaman here in town. I'll have to look her up. A lot of classes through her. She's really wonderful, but like, that's a great, um, thank you for sharing that. And that's what I really would just encourage other people who may, might be listening to is to, there are so many different ways to heal. There are so many different ways to keep yourself whole or, or self-care is really also opening up your horizons and kind of not being afraid to try some things that you maybe have never heard of or like Reiki or whatever it is, right? Yeah. You know, just not knowing what could potentially be beneficial, I think. Yes. So it's awesome that you were open to some new experiences too. Yeah. And recently I've, I've felt like opening up about my mental health struggles and making it more of like a conversational starter um, has been healing for me too so when somebody says oh how are you doing today instead of the general like oh fine I'm like you know I'm really struggling today but you know this is what's going on and you know depending on who you're talking to and uh, you know I'm real open with the fact that you know I'm I'm bipolar type 2 and that um, I have non-combat related PTSD and trying to destigmatize what that means and what does that look like and that you know I'm not probably the typical face for either of those types of things. Um, I may look like I have it all together, but you know, my ducks are in the same pond, but they're definitely not in a row. Right. Yeah. They're not swimming together. That's my problem. Like (laughs) sometimes they fight with each other. I mean, like, come on. (laughs) Yes. 
but I, I like, think you know what that's that's the thing who is the right face for any disease or any, any illness right but sometimes we think that or we assume that people who do live a functional life don't have any problems and it's like I'm so glad that you're able to have that conversation and kind of start ripping off that band-aid for people of being like you know I'm not hyper disclosing I'm not out here telling everybody my whole life story but I am also gonna let you know like who I am as a person and we have to really start opening up spaces to be able to receive people for who they are right and so that's part of you telling people is then giving other people a chance to receive that and respond to that and you know not everybody's gonna get it right the first time that's the thing right especially when we're dropping bombshells on other people right sometimes then it's like we have to give them a moment to sit with information or to collect their response and not immediately grab onto their initial you know reaction or facial expression or what have you right but like giving people that opportunity you know giving people that chance and most of the time if people care about you they might not get it right the first time right because they might have to sit with their reaction and maybe you got to talk to them about that yeah but isn't that better to give them that chance and to open up that space than to hide yourself oh definitely and it's like so less exhausting (laughs) so much less exhausting and then you know also do you want people in your life that you have to continue to hide from I'm, no, not really, right? I'm being too old for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I just, I love that. I think that there's so many places where we're really working to open up some of these conversations a little bit more. And all, I think what it is, is all of us being a little more honest about, about our own shit, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was such an enlightening conversation. I'm really glad we got the chance to catch up and it was, you know, I'm really grateful to you again for all the work that you do and the ways that you are so open about your experiences. So thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Cassandra. It was my pleasure. Right. Have a good day. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Here are my takeaways from today's episode. Number one, when you sign on the dotted line with the military, there will be things you miss out on. It's definitely okay to have mixed emotions about it all, to be grateful for the opportunity, but also sad for what you will miss. Number two, documenting your journey during every chapter is a beautiful way to look back as a family and relive the good parts that may not have been shared or spoken about at the time. Number three, people around you may not know what's going to overwhelm you once you've come back from deployment. Number four, in helping others in their healing journey, it provides an undercurrent of healing for your own journey. It is also a sense of accountability to keep you showing up and doing the work. Number five, Reiki and mindfulness can definitely help you for the day-to-day. Also, carving out time in your day to be truly awkward and uncomfortable and sitting with your feelings helps preventing the numbing of the stress of your life. Thank you again for listening. I'm so grateful you've been here with me. This has been an amazing experience and I can't wait to come back with you in 2022. We're wrapping up at the end of the year and I just finished up the end of the semester and it's a time of the year where I usually take a step back and take a few weeks off for myself. I really like to draw inward and reflect and take time to recognize the spaces and areas that I want to change and grow and things I might wanna do differently in the new year. So for the next few weeks, as you're thinking about the new year ahead, also take time to reflect on previous wins, things that maybe you want to look different or things that you're hoping for in 2022. I look forward to catching up with you again when I come back. Thanks so much.